0: This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 102.1 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. What's up? How's it going? Welcome in. It is Wicket's World here on 102.1 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Uh, I'm Mike Wicket. Happy to have you. So thank you so much for uh, for hanging out with us here today. So I'm going to have to... It's very strange. Kira... What do we have going on behind us?
1: We have our official Des Moines radio
2: group not out of the office Christmas party. (laughs)
0: Right, exactly. (laughs) So what we have going on right now, we've got our Christmas party going on right now. So if you're watching on the video right now, you'll see behind us that there's some people that are doing the, the Christmas party thing. And what we're doing... Is a talk show. And this window, it's not the most soundproof thing in the world <laughs> that we've got going on uh, back there. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. But, that being said, um, we will continue to do the show. I won't be able to yell and scream like I normally do. I mean, I, I can. Just don't, you know, it's probably not the best thing in the world. So, we will talk more about a lot of different stuff here on the show today. I'm sorry, I'm having a streaming issue, so I have to kind of end the live video, my bad. want to get into the, uh, the three biggest stories of the week. And coming up at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to Tyler Dunn from uh, GoLongTD.com. One of the best long-form writers in all of the world of the NFL. And long-form is neat because it's not just a tweet or a headline. It's an actual story. He talks to actual people. He gets actual cuts. He gets actual... You know, conversations going. And again, that doesn't happen all that often. But it does with Tyler Dunn. He's going to join us at twelve thirty. We'll talk all things NFL with him. But the biggest story in the world of sports was well, it's been such a busy week. You have to admit, it's been such a very, very busy week in the National Football League, in the NBA. You know, we got bowls that are kicking off right now. We got a whole we got four bowl games for you tomorrow here on ESPN Des Moines. But I want to start with the NBA. And the big story in the, uh, the association was that Steph Curry made history. Steph Curry broke the all-time three-point record, and Steph Curry did it on the floor of Madison Square Garden
2: going into every arena and the other team knowing what's what the situation is and trying right. to slow it down it was a long week for sure and but the joy of of just this atmosphere celebration of that moment I, i'm so humbled at the garden received it the way they did the fans were just amazing they let me have that moment and, and just get lost in it and there's a lot of emotion for sure because i know how much work's gone into this and you know dreaming big from the time i first picked up a basketball so it's a special one for sure
0: And he did it on TNT, and here's Brian Anderson's play-by-play of him actually setting the record. Alec Burks guarding it from the start. Wiggins again. Here's Curry for the record. It's good! There it is! Stephen
3: Curry! The all-time three-point king in the NBA!
0: Brian Anderson with the play-by-play, and he broke ray allen's record who broke reggie miller's record and it was neat to hear him talk about what it was like to have reggie and ray both in the garden when he broke the record
2: reggie and ray for me were the icons of shooting the basketball obviously along with my dad uh... but to be out there on the court and have those guys supporting me and cheering me on and uh... enjoying the moment with me like it's, it's hard to really put in the words. You see the the, the polished product out there, but right. you know, the, the the reps and and that's gone into it over the, uh, the course of course the journey and knowing how many teammates have been a part of this as well. Somebody's got set screens for me. Somebody got thumping the ball, and you know there's there's been a lot of people that have, have have filled in you know those roles for me as well. So hopefully they can celebrate this as well.
0: It was such a cool night, and and here's my my take on Steph Curry, um, greatest shooter of all time. The fact that he did what he did in half the time that Ray Allen did, is just flat-out awesome. Steph Curry is one of the most important basketball players in the history of the NBA. And here's why I say that. Is Steph Curry the greatest of all time? No, Steph Curry's not the greatest basketball player of all time. All right? That's not a thing. That's Michael Jordan. That is, if you want LeBron James, you want Kobe Bryant, you want whoever, whoever your pick is. Steph's not in the conversation for the greatest basketball player ever. But what Steph is in the running for is, and I don't think it's anywhere close, is the idea of the greatest shooter of all time. And I believe he is one of the two most important basketball players in the history of the NBA from this standpoint. Michael Jordan globalized the game, but the rules of the game didn't change. The way basketball was played when Mike was there, that didn't change. I mean, yeah, you saw a little bit of change in the NBA, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But for the most part, the game was still played pretty much the same as when Magic and Larry were, were saving the league in the early 1980s. They saved the league. The way basketball is played now versus the way basketball... Was, is played or was played 10 years ago is night and day. When I was growing up, back in my day, I'm 40, I watched basketball in the 1980s and the 1990s. And what I saw was a low post game. If you got up and down, that was great, but none of those fast breaks stopped at the three-point line the way they do now. You shot five threes a game as a team, ten threes a game as a team, Maybe. But when Steph Curry came into the NBA after his historic career and this unbelievable run he had at Davidson, people doubted him. So you can't win a championship with a jump shooting team. Warriors can't win an NBA title without a dominant low post presence. That's not a thing. You can't do that in the NBA. Right? You miss too many jumpers. You miss too many threes. It's just not going to work. But you know what? He did. He won MVPs. He won rings. He and Clay Thompson, the Splash Brothers, changed the game. You know why? Because they basically created an analytic. And we love analytics now. DVOA, balls in play, all the, the numbers from uh, Moneyball. We love numbers. We Math guys, math nerds love numbers. And the analytics say... To keep shooting threes. That wasn't a thing back in the day. And now you watch basketball at every single level. And I don't know if this is good or this is bad. I tend to lean towards more of it being a bad thing. But Steph Curry changed the game to the point where kids in little peewee leagues, high school players, the college game, and the pros. There is one way... That teams play. You don't see a lot of low post games anymore. You don't see a lot of teams that don't shoot threes. Everybody shoots it from the outside, and that is how basketball is won today. Go watch a college game. Go watch any college game, whether it's Drake, Iowa, Iowa State, Kentucky, Indiana, UCLA, or number one Baylor. Watch those teams play. You know what they do? All they do is shoot threes. All they do is shoot threes. The big man is a lost art. The art of back-to-the-basket basketball, the the true center, is a dinosaur. That way of playing is old. That's not a thing anymore, and we weren't doing this before Steph Curry. We were not doing this before Curry came in the NBA. Did guys shoot threes? Sure guys shot threes. Danny Ainge, Reggie, Ray Allen, Peja, everybody in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, you watched play. But 12 years ago, Steph Curry comes into the NBA, and now watch every level of basketball because what we've learned, and the analytics will tell you, and I don't know if this is necessarily a good thing. The more threes that you shoot, as long as you make them, it's going to lead to more points. It's going to it's it's statistically better to put up a bunch of threes as opposed to running the clock around or running the clock down passing the ball in and out and and going for twos quick math here Kara. three is more than two can you confirm that? yes thank you very much (laughs) if you make three threes you get nine points if you make three twos you get six points if you make four twos which means you still have to make four buckets whether it's a jumper, a layup, whatever you still have to make four whereas I have to make three. That is, breaking down analytics to a level that isn't really real. <laughs> okay? Like, that's the very basic multiplication. The problem is, and, and Steph Curry is probably my favorite player in the NBA to watch and has been for the last 10 years, along with Giannis. And they play completely different games. They're, the two guys couldn't be more diametrically opposite than Giannis Antetokounmpo and Steph Curry. But they're playing in the NBA at the same time. I'm fortunate I get to watch those two guys play. I love it. But the problem is there are so many teams that don't have Steph Curry. (laughs) Okay? Every team in the NBA does not have a Steph Curry. You're seeing more and more guys jack up more and more threes ever. I think Charles Barkley was on ESPN this week and said we have a bunch of teams with a bunch of bums who think that they're Steph Curry. And he's right. Guys that want to shoot these 40-footers, that want to step inside the logo, that, that just want to jack up threes all day. And there are great shooters in the NBA. Don't get me wrong. There are lots of shooters in the NBA. But there aren't a lot of great shooters in the NBA. Not like Steph Curry. Not a guy who needs you know, the smallest margin just to get a shot up. And Steph takes some horrible shots like let's not kid ourselves you watch Steph Curry he takes some bad shots there are some air there's at least a couple of air balls whenever you watch Steph Curry play but the one when he gets when he gets hot man there has never been a better shooter in the history of the league and everybody wants to be the next Steph Curry Trey Young wants to be the next Steph Curry this guy wants to be the next Steph Curry that guy wants to be the next Steph Curry. And everybody keeps saying this. I mean, you talk to basketball purists and guys that are my age and a little bit older, you always hear this. What happened to the jump shot? What happened to the 20-foot jump shot? You know, Rip Hamilton was the last of his kind, the guy that could shoot the 20-foot jump shot. Like, yeah, it, that's fine, but that's not the way the game is played anymore. Like, we don't watch the NFL to watch power football. The, the league has changed. Whether it's better or worse, this is the way the league is going. And if you watch any NBA game or any college game, and you get one team who's two, you're, oftentimes this happens and it, and it kind of sucks. This is what ended Drake's winning streak last year when they were the hottest team in the, in the world of college basketball. When you watch a team in college basketball or the NBA go two for 22 from three, you know they're going to lose. And you would say, well, wicked, they should probably just stop shooting. Yeah, try telling that to Steph Curry or try telling that to somebody who thinks they're Steph Curry or try telling that to anybody whose offense is based around the three-point shot. Guys, we should probably stop shooting threes. They're not gonna, all right? They know one way. The one way that they know is to keep shooting threes. That's the one thing that they know, and that's the one guy they look to and say, well, Steph did it. Clay Thompson did it. These guys are all out there jacking up threes. And Steph Curry, getting back to my original point, seemingly forever ago, Steph Curry changed the game. Mike didn't change the game. LeBron didn't change the game. Magic and Larry didn't change the game. They saved the game. Mike took the game to a global level. I don't know what LeBron has done for the game, except make it more mainstream. But I wouldn't put him as great as LeBron James is, or as great as Kobe was. I don't think those guys necessarily changed the game of basketball. Steph did, and the other guy to do it was Wilt Chamberlain. And if you're a really old person, you'll say George Mikan back in the 1950s because you're right. But I never saw Mikan. I don't think I could go find An old video of George Mikan on YouTube. But I can find Wilt Chamberlain highlights. I'll tell you that. Because they widened the paint. Where the 3 and the key rule comes in, they widened the paint for Mikan. But it still wasn't wide enough because Wilt Chamberlain was that dominant around the basket. They had to widen the paint again. They had to change free throw rules. They had to change goaltending rules because Wilt Chamberlain was so dominant in his day. And the league thought, well, there's probably more talent like this coming down the pipeline. And I'm not saying that the, the rules have changed for Steph Curry or since Steph Curry came into the NBA But what's changed is the way we play basketball. The way they changed the game back in the 1960s and 70s for Wilt Chamberlain, they had to do the exact same thing. They had to change the game, or the game has been changed, or the way we watch basketball has been changed by the Steph Curryization and the movement of everybody shooting up threes. Go watch a basketball game. I'm sure you watch Iowa, you watch Iowa State, watch Drake play, whatever. Watch how many threes go up. It's insane. It's almost hard to watch. Because I love the game of basketball. I love the game going up and down. I love a lot of half-court offense can be beautiful. A lot of it can be run very beautiful, beautifully. But a lot of teams just sit and settle and pass the ball around the perimeter. And they win a lot of games and they lose a lot of games. It's like the home run in baseball. You're going to have these, these offenses these days. All they do is, is swing for the fences, right? Analytics tell you. That swinging for the fences is going to win you more games. The harder you swing, when you make contact, the harder the ball is going to go. Or the further the ball is going to go. And the further the ball is going to go, the more likely it is going to go over the wall. You're going to miss a lot, just like you're going to miss a lot of threes. But you're going to hit a lot of home runs. And that's what Steph Curry means. He's changed the game. This swing speed and launch angle and all of these things. They're all new, they're all analytics, and Steph Curry invented the analytic. So congrats to the GOAT, congrats to the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA. He broke the record, it was a really cool moment. If you're a basketball fan, you had to appreciate it, and he did it in such a short amount of time. Coming up, speaking of a short amount of time, uh, I do want to get to Urban Meyer, who had a short amount of time... As the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, some fallout, some reaction, plus what happened on Thursday night football last night. Tyler Dunn is going to join me at 1230 here on ESPN Des Moines.
3: Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines.
0: in the Christmas spirit. Put my Santa hat back on. All right. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Wicked's World here on ESPN Des Moines. Put this hat thing right. Okay. Uh, 102.1 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines brings you a boatload of bowl games coming up tomorrow. I, I can't even remember which ones we've got. The Boca Raton Bowl, the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, the New Orleans Bowl, and I think the New Mexico Bowl. We have four straight bowl games starting at 11 a.m. for you here on ESPN Des Moines. And then we will have games throughout the bowl season, including the college football playoff, which, of course, is Cincinnati and Alabama on New Year's Eve. And then right after that, it's Georgia-Michigan on New Year's Eve. And then on the 10th, we'll have the national championship game. We'll have some New Year's Day stuff. we got got, I think, the Hawaii Bowl on Christmas Eve. we got all kinds of bowl games for you. So if you're a college football fan and you're going to be listening to the radio, keep it right here on ESPN Des Moines. So I got Tyler Dunn talking all things NFL with me coming up at 1230 from golongtd.com. The big story in the NFL, well, there are a couple, but Urban Meyer got the job back in January as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it was a very questionable hire. You knew, you're like, okay, college coach coming in, success at Florida, success at Ohio State, hell, success at Bowling Green and Utah, too, before that. But you, you saw Herb get the job, and you're like, how's he going to adapt to the NFL? They get the number one pick in the draft, so he's going to get his quarterback. He's going to get Trevor Lawrence. All right, cool. So he, he takes Lawrence. Uh, they also drafted Travis Etienne, uh, which was a very strange signing, considering they have James Robinson, who was an absolute stud in the backfield last year. Before the draft, the Jags hired Chris Doyle. Iowa fans remember Chris Doyle. He was part of the, um, the, the racial investigation, the racial uh, abuse investigation last year in Iowa City. He was the strength and conditioning coach for the Hawkeyes. He gets the job with the Jaguars. Well, all of the things that came up that were landing in Chris Doyle's lap or the accusations coming Chris Doyle's way, that forced the resignation because he, quote, did not want to be a distraction to what we're building in Jacksonville. Oh, they're building in Jacksonville. Uh, the NFL find the Jaguars in July. $200,000, another hundred grand for Meyer for off-season workout violations. The whole Tim Tebow thing got people upset. Because it's not a who-you-know thing, or it is a who-you-know thing. It's not a what-you-can-do. I mean, there was no reason Tim Tebow should have got that uh, opportunity. But, hey, listen, every business has people who know people that get opportunities. So I really wasn't all that upset with it. I didn't have high expectations. Tebow didn't make it, as we know. We found out that Herb decided to let the media know that players' vaccination status factored into their roster decisions. You're not allowed to do that. Don't say the quiet part out loud. (laughs) Okay? If you're going to do it, do it, and just say it's performance-based. Don't tell anyone that you are releasing people because they are vaccinated or not vaccinated. The next day, of course, the team had to come out and issue the statement, no, this didn't really happen. Yeah, it did. Herb and the Jaguars, then later in the season, go to Cincinnati. You remember Cincinnati, right? They lost to the Bengals. The team flies home. Herb stays in Ohio, goes to his own steakhouse, and what pops up? The video. That's right, the video of the 25-year-old smoking Hot College co-ed grinding on Herb, who is a grandfather, and his wife had just tweeted out. You can't make this stuff up. His wife had just tweeted out at home with the grandkids. The video surfaces, goes viral, and people are going to be like, hey, well, Wicked, who cares what he does? That's not your business. That's not our business. But the thing is, in the NFL, what coaches preach is don't be a distraction. The best locker rooms have the best leaders who, who lead the team and have a bunch of guys in that locker room that know follow the leader. Do what the leader says. Don't be out so late. No hookers and blow. Uh, you know, d- don't go getting drunk and drive, get a ride, call somebody, manage your money, don't, be, don't have 17 babies with 16 different women. These are things that happen in the NFL. These are things that happen in the NBA and Major League Baseball. Guys are dumb. And your coach is supposed to be your leader. Your coach should not be the one grinding with a 25-year-old after too much to drink in his own bar as the rest of the team went back down to Jacksonville, Florida from Ohio. That's a lesson you're supposed to teach and preach. That's what you're supposed to do. So that made Herb look bad. And then there was the, you know, there's a million other things. He gets a win. They win in London. All right, cool, fine. All kinds of reports of run-ins with coaches. Screaming at his, his assistant coaches saying he has a better staff, or he had a better staff at Bowling Green than he does with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Calling his coaches losers. Former kicker Josh Lambeau does a TV interview and said that Meyer kicked him in training camp.
1: Comes up to me and he says, hey, dip, another word, uh, make your and kicks. And then proceeds to kick me right in the leg, right in the hamstring, and literally kicks me in the hamstring. No, it. hey bud, make your kicks. <laughs> it wasn't one of those, it just wasn't. Um, it was so much so I couldn't believe, and I looked at him and I said, don't you ever kick me again.
0: I I'm the head ball coach, I'll kick you whenever I want. The Jaguars released Lambeau from the team. So at that point, the Jags had to come out. Shad Khan, who is a billionaire owner, super rich guy, signed him to this five-year deal worth like $60, $70 million or whatever uh, back in January. I mean, how many different things is Herb going to... It's not like he's going to change. This is who Herb is. Herb's a bad dude. Herb was... Herb recruited bad guys at Florida. Herb recruited bad guys at Ohio State. Herb's not a very likable human being, it feels like, and to see every single thing come down, it's like Herb, I don't know if Urban Meyer was ready for the National Football League. I don't, it it just feels like he thought his stuff didn't stink. He could come into the National Football League, do whatever he wanted, and no one was going to have anything to say about it. And Harry Douglas, who works for ESPN, said the same thing, that this is just something that Herb never understood, that this isn't college, this is the pros.
2: This is the thing, coaches, uh, college coaches and, and anybody who hasn't been in the NFL, if you come to the NFL, you gotta understand. These grown men at the NFL level. You know what I'm saying? Because there's just certain things people aren't gonna tolerate at this level and i'm surprised it lasted this long and i understand in the college mentality this is how i do to rally my troops this is how i do to get guys going to get the best out of them that's how you do it in college you don't do it at the, at, at this level like that because you have guys making more money than you but that's just how things go on on, on the on the on the national football level man and at the professional level period uh you have guys that man, you, you coaches that you don't, you don't have to demean people to get the best out of them. And plus, not everybody responds to that the same way either.
0: Terry Douglas, again, he played in the NFL for a while. longtime wide receiver. Adam Schefter, NFL insider, said that when Meyer was in Jacksonville, he just didn't seem like he was ever in a good mood.
3: Obviously, there was a lot of reporting done on Urban Meyer over the weekend. And at right. that point in time, I had been told specifically that Shad Khan was planning to stick with Urban Meyer. When he arrived at the Owner's meetings this week after you saw Urban Meyer walk up the field uh, in what turned out to be his last game as the Jaguars head coach when he had a look like he did not enjoy this job anymore. Everybody saw the video of him with Mike Brabo. It was almost this indifferent look of somebody who was unhappy doing a job. And many coaches, they kill for the opportunity to be a head coach. That did not look like something that Urban Meyer enjoyed doing, Scott. It looked like it was something that he just dreaded. And all the bickering and all the speculation and all the criticism where he says, we're going to find the leak and we're going to fire the people who had the leaks. It was very Richard Nixonian. And I think that as... Shah Khan saw the events of the weekend and processed and digested all the information and thought about it. When he got to the owners' meetings, he said, we're going to do what's best for this team. And I think he hadn't decided yet. And then we get another story that the Jaguars were informed about early this morning, where he's accused of kicking Josh Lambeau, the former kicker, in practice and demeaning him with certain language. And I think ultimately when you're on the fence and trying to make a decision about a guy, I guess I'm making the inference here, Scott, that that perhaps put it over the edge.
0: I don't know what he made at Bowling Green, I don't know what he made at Utah, but I know he made about 40 million dollars when he was at Ohio State. He made about 40-50 million dollars when he was at Florida, and he made between 10 and 12 we were supposed to be paid between 10 and 12 for his 1 year in Jacksonville. And the lawyers will figure out if they're going to pay him the rest of his 5-year deal or they're going to settle or if they if the if the Jaguars lawyers can prove they fired him with cause, then they don't owe him a nickel after this season or after the last paycheck that they're going to give him. I bring up salary because what is Urban Meyer going to do next? He's 57 years old. Um, I don't think this is a dude who's going to want to go back to coaching. I don't think if you're a, a, an athletic director two years down the road, you're going to say, let's bring on Urban Meyer, knowing what we know about him in the NFL. And it brings up the question, if he treated adults this way, what did he try and get away with treating, you know, coaching 19, 20, 21-year-old kids who looked at him as a father figure? I mean you get to the pros you're talking about 25 30 35 year old men who don't need to be treated this way they're going to react one way college kids more more likely than not are going to take it so what was he doing at ohio state florida and before that what kind of behavior did he get or did he have i look at his next job back on tv somewhere although i don't like watching urban meyer he disgusts me i won't watch him when he's on tv and if it happens to be on I'll just disregard because I do not think Urban Meyer is a good person. It was evident this week, and the Jaguars have installed uh, Daryl Bevel as their interim head coach. Eric Bieniemy makes sense over there. Byron Leftwich, who's the offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers and played for the Jaguars, he did, makes a ton of sense to take over that head, co- uh, that head coaching job. And then Josh McDaniels' name is in there as well, and he'll be rumored for a lot. We'll talk more things NFL coming up on the other side. GoLongTD.com's Tyler Dunn will join me, one of my favorite NFL Writers, he's coming up on the other side here on Wicket's World on ESPN Des Moines. You're
3: listening to Wicket's World on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN
0: Des
1: Moines.
0: We're just in the festive mood here at ESPN Des Moines. What's up, it's Wicket. It's Wicket's World, 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Four bowl games tomorrow, a quadruple header. Here on ESPN Des Moines, starting with the Boca Raton Bowl at 11 a.m. Right here on ESPN Des Moines. NFL season continuing on. Want to bring in a friend of mine from golongtd.com. Follow him on Twitter at Ty Dunn. He is Tyler Dunn to talk some NFL here. Tyler, how are you, man? Merry Christmas.
1: Merry Christmas, Wicket. Good to hear that, that voice again. Man, did I miss that voice in
0: my life. It's a Christmas present when I can get some of your valuable time here on ESPN Des Moines. So uh, the, the gifts are all mine, which is great. We all love getting gifts. Tyler, I want to start with um, what we saw last night, and I want to get your your opinion because you know what I love about talk shows like the one I do and the ones that are on TV and the syndicated ones is, you know, we make proclamations. Chiefs are done. Chiefs are with something's wrong with Mahomes. Rogers is disinterested. And you write long form. You don't write headlines, which I love about your site, GoLongTD.com. What is it like from your perspective to watch the roller coaster and the build of a long NFL season like we're watching what's going on in Kansas City?
1: It's what really makes it fun. And, and yeah, de- definitely I try to uh, cover pro football through that long form lens. That's the mission, you know, with what I launched with everything at Go GoLong, you know, trying to, to write 5, 6, 7,000-word stories that, that take a while to report on. But, but I do love, like, those headlines because it makes it fun. Like, week to week, everything can change. Like, you can think of one thing about a team, and then, boom, they lose to the Jaguars, like the Bills did. Or they lose to Miami, like Baltimore did. And now they don't even have a Lamar Jackson. Everything can change. And I think the Kansas City story has been remarkable. Where the, Yeah, I mean, we, Mahomes is a story unto himself. But the defense, I mean, they gave up, what, like 30-plus points in four straight weeks? And then they became this juggernaut, pretty much. And uh, I don't. Last night, you know, the Chargers had some success, but really, uh, what, what got this team rolling was with Spagnol and the defense and blitzing the hell out of teams. And whether well, it's Jordan Love or Dak Prescott, quarterbacks just seem confused against these guys. So I, I, I love that 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 one. You know, everybody thinks that this Chiefs defense is trash, and now the Chiefs defense is a juggernaut that can take on any offense right now.
0: And on the other side the Chargers continue to be a team that you're like you, you buy in and, and you, you hope that you hope it's the next Bitcoin, but it's more likely Dogecoin. And you you buy in on the Chargers and you're like, cool, you get little returns and then all of a sudden the bottom drops out. It was at seventy cents until Elon Musk goes on T V and now it's back to eighteen cents. Are the Chargers ever actually going to become Bitcoin, or are they always going to be this wannabe, we're going to get six, seven, eight, nine, ten wins, Herbert's going to look great, but eventually we're going to turn into Dogecoin?
1: I-, I love the Chargers, and I get it. T- to go for it, what, three times and, and fail on all three, it-, it looks bad, and it was the reason they lost. But I think that the way that Brandon Staley coaches is, is how you got to coach. I mean, you... If you have a, a supreme talent, at quarterback like Justin Herbert, why not put it in his hands? Why not put it in your playmaker's hands? I'd rather go down swinging. If anything, they should have gone for it on a two-point conversion at the end of the game. Like, Just keep playing that way. You know, I c- compare everything to uh, the Bills here living in Buffalo where Josh Allen is an MVP kind of talent, but he doesn't have that in his head coach. Sean McDermott wants to end every drive in a kick, whether it's a field goal, a punt. God, when they did go for it, it was a, a fake punt on fourth and two with Matt Breida that failed against Tampa Bay. Like, he, I feel like they're always going to fall short if
3: he's the head coach.
1: I feel like the Chargers with the Brandon Staley with the pedal to the metal, at some point they'll bust through. They'll get hot. They'll ride Justin Herbert. Maybe it's even this year. Maybe they do get hot in the playoffs. And they'll win. I mean, it was just earlier in the year, this year against the Chiefs, right, at Arrowhead. He coached the same way, and it paid off. So, I, I love that. I know, maybe I'm dead wrong, but give, give me that coach over the McDermott.
0: Talking to Ty Dunn. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ty Dunn, and Tyler's site, golongtd.com, joining us here on ESPN Des Moines. You know, Tyler, it, it, they're, they're going to bust through. You're right. It's going to be like, like a, a, a meme coin or a Bitcoin or whatever. It's going <laughs> to have that time when it peaks up. But at the end of the day... The 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 Chargers strike me as just the West Coast Vikings, a team that is going to surprise you, can score 45 one week and win 45 to 15, but they're going to come back down to earth. There's no consistency, and it feels like it's an unsafe way to play football.
1: It, it is up and down. I'll, I'll give you that. They've had some some real clunkers. I mean, the the loss against Denver. How, how do you lose to to Denver in that spot? A huge huge game. So yeah I mean I'm not saying they're perfect, but I think it has more to do with the actual personnel. you know I, I think they still need a few pieces um, mainly on defense. I, I think the offense will be, will be fine. Uh, and I, I don't yeah, may, maybe there is a connection there, a correlation to having this freewheeling style and kind of living too up and living too down. and I don't know I, I tend to think it's more about the players on the field. He wants to put it on the players and go down swinging, and you you go make a play in this situation. It's not about me. It's about you as players getting it done. And I, I think that they'll be able to bust through because of that. You know, the Vikings are so different. I, I feel like it took until this year for Zimmer to break out of that old school thinking and kicking and being conservative. Like, they, they have taken more risks this year, but, you know, it's too little too late, and they, they should fire him finally once and for all. I, I think that the charges are set up the right way, and that, you know, if they get a, maybe another another pass rusher here, another playmaker there, and look out, the Chargers and the Chiefs are going to be must-see for the
0: next generation. Before we get to my Packers, tell me something that you definitely know about the AFC. <laughs> oh, my God, that Bill Belichick
1: still has his fastball, man. Like, he, we, he, he had it from day one this year, really. I mean, even when they were losing those games, Losing to Tom Brady, losing to Dak Prescott, you could see it. I mean, he had Brady seeing ghost. I mean, it was a different Tom Brady. And if Jonathan Jones, his slot corner, doesn't get hurt for one play, the Patriots win that game against the Bucs. I mean, Tom Brady saw the backup come in. I think it was Justin Bethel. Went right at him, completed a big third down. They kicked the field goal, and they win the game. So I think that what Bill Belichick is doing week-to-week coaching-wise is unbelievable. I mean, to come here in Buffalo and throw the ball three times through the Gale Force wins and just pound and pound away against the Bills. Who, by the way, the Bills have all these first and second round picks on their D-line. The Patriots had a bunch of mid-round picks and cast offs on their O-line, and they just beat the hell out of the Bills up front. So I, I think it all starts with Belichick, and you can even go back further. Go back to March when he spent all the money on all of these players. He went out and he got himself some dogs. He got him some players that were ready for this big counter punch. I think that, you know, he saw where the game was going. He saw that all these teams were reacting as if it's this backyard football game with Tyler Murray and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. and said, okay, you're going to go get your lighter linebackers, your 225-pound pound linebackers. I'm going to go get guys that are going to take it to you, and we're going to win with some old-school football. And he yeah. has. He has. And really, that's kind of what got the Chiefs' turnaround started more than Mahomes. I mean, the defense just started beating people up. And, uh, yeah, I think, they have. I know one thing about the AFC. It's that Bill Belichick isn't going anywhere. They're going to compete for Super Bowls as long as he's the head coach, one way or another.
0: I do want to get to the Green Bay Packers with you, Tyler. And you can follow Tyler on Twitter at Ty Dunn And check out his awesome website, golongtd.com. Subscribe. He's got a great podcast as well. Every team in the NFL is hurt. And this week, there's 100 guys with COVID, and, and, and we can debate whether or not they should be missing games due to COVID till the cows come home. But every team is hurt. And throughout all of these injuries, the Packers have remained one of, if not the best team in the National Football League. Throw the Jordan Love game at Kansas City out. Is there any doubt in your mind that this team is NFC championship uh, game bound?
1: No doubt. I think they get there, especially... If they get the number one seed, which I can't see them slipping up, you know, against the Vikings or anybody, and the Ravens are. They might have what Tyler Hundley out there at quarterback. So, yeah, no, no doubt about it. They can play two ways, right? They can they can still spread it out, throw it all over the place with Aaron Rodgers, like they did against Chicago. But more importantly, they're ready for the this twenty twenty one NFL. Really, it is about running the ball and stopping the run and being physical and violent and playing downhill because of A.J. Dillon. You know, another draft pick that caught a lot of flack. A.J. Dillon at a B.C. I mean, he's got the tree trunk size. He's got the 7% body fat. He, he just is a. He, he takes a physical toll tackling this guy. It's a physical toll to get off blocks and make tackles still in the NFL. The Packers can play that kind of game. So, I think they get to the NFC Championship. The problem is, Mike, I mean, Tampa Bay plays that game, too. <laughs> I mean, they can do it, too, with Leonard Fournette. And I love it. I, I think it gets to that NFC Championship game, and we'll all talk about Rodgers and Brady, like you said, till the cows come home. But it could be about A.J. Dillon, Leonard Fournette, and two teams. that got to win in the trenches at Bridget Lambeau Field.
0: Is there another team in the NFL that's going to be adding pieces back over the next couple of weeks better than David Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander, and it's Darius Smith. None. None. It's
1: it, And really, the, the general
0: manager, you know, the,
1: there, there were people asking him to publicly apologize in the offseason. I mean, get the hell out of here. <laughs> we both know who that was in Mo- mm. Milwaukee media. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a just an asinine statement. But let's not forget, I mean, the quarterback wanted him fired. <laughs> he didn't he come out deny that Yahoo report, to my knowledge. He... What he's done around Aaron Rodgers, I don't know why you would want to go anywhere else. They're picking up guys off the street like Rasul Douglas, and he's getting pick-sixes. Uh, they're, they're suffering all these injuries on the offensive line, and they're getting by. Uh, they're, they're, they're tough. You know, a guy like Alan Lazard, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars didn't even want him on their roster a couple years ago. I mean, he's just a gnarly wide receiver that you don't want to play snap in and snap out. You can go right down the list on their roster, and it starts with the GM, it starts with their scouting staff. Uh, it is a great place to play if you're interested in winning football games. And, hey, they, they, if this is Aaron Rodgers last year, um, you, you, you couldn't ask for more. You know, I, I don't think an Odell Beckham Jr. is what you want to put this team over the top. It's, it's exactly what they've done, winning with defense, winning with a ground game, an H.A. Dillon. And, yeah, still giving Aaron Rodgers the freedom to draw up whatever the hell he wants in the huddle. Devontae Adams said it himself this last game. I mean, Aaron's just draws plays up on the fly. They, they give him that ability. You don't have that ability everywhere else. So the grass may not always be greener.
0: Sounds like what well, we should describe far. But ah, Just a kid out there drawing up plays in the sand, having fun, throwing <laughs> it all around. Last one for you, Tyler. Rodgers, Devontae, both or neither. Who's with the Packers next year?
1: I like that fastball question. Mike Wickett still has his fastball too.
0: <laughs> Having three kids didn't slow me down, Tyler.
1: I know. I'm filibustering. Give my sec give my brain a second to process. I'm gonna say they're both gone.
0: Both gone. I think
1: they're I think they're both gone. I think I don't wanna read into every little thing Aaron Rodgers is there'll be plenty of time to do that in the offseason. But I thought his answer to Pat McAfee was very telling when he asked him, Oh, you love the Packers. You love it there. You love the team. You love the. Pa-. And he just said, I, I love playing ball. You know, basically, that's telling the team, Hey, don't get too comfortable. Don't get too comfortable. I know we're in the number one seat. I know I might be MVP. Don't get too comfortable because I don't know where my head's at. You know, behind the scenes, I wouldn't be surprised if they even reached some type of arrangement that, Hey, yeah, we'll trade you next year. Unless you like completely change your mind, we'll trade you. We'll give you what you want. Has Aaron Rodgers completely changed his mind? That kind of comment tells me it hasn't, at least not right now. And I think that Devonte Adams isn't going to want to stick around if Aaron Rodgers isn't sticking around, and that they would both be gone. So, if you're if you want me to give you an answer, that's it. It's gut. It's a gut feeling more than anything. Um, then again, myself, you know, Adam Schefter, local media, national media, we are all talking to different people all after offseason, and it sure seemed like Aaron Rodgers wanted absolutely nothing to do with the Packers. gets to the 11th hour, and he shows up, so anything can
0: happen. I think if you're going to ship Rodgers anywhere, my buddy Alex said, put him in the NFC North, so either Pittsburgh, maybe Cleveland, ship him to the North, because you're not going to see that that division for another four years. Uh, I think ship him to Detroit for two ones and draft Aiden Hutchinson and let him deal with the Detroit Lions mess. And I, (laughs) I think Devontae winds up in Jacksonville for a way overpriced deal because I don't think wide receivers are worth Twenty-seven million dollars a year. Just look at DeAndre Hopkins right now.
3: Yeah,
1: and you know he didn't have the no-trade clause, uh, to my knowledge. I, you, who knows what arrangements were made to get him back to training camp? Yeah, did they put something in there where he would have a little bit more say in it? I, I, I don't know, uh, but yeah, it would make a lot of sense. I mean, we all saw the wink and nod to Mike Tomlin during that game, and and you don't have to face him for a while, and at the AFC, and it's somewhere Aaron Rodgers would want to go. I would think the Steelers. They've got some young players that they could send Green Bay in some type of package with picks. So, um, yeah, that, that does make a, a lot of sense when you wrap your brain around it.
0: Tyler, appreciate the time so much, my friend. Continued success. Have a Merry Christmas. Say hi to your kids for me. It's so good to talk to you again, my friend.
1: Oh, my God. Merry Christmas to you, too, the whole fam. Say hi to the fam from us. And uh, definitely, we, we got to keep doing this. Let's do it again. Stay
0: warm in Buffalo. Hey. 60 degrees the other day we're doing great (laughs) later tyler see you man tyler dunn online go long check out his website follow him on twitter at ty dunn coming up a spoiler free review of the biggest movie in the world i saw it last night i will not ruin it for you but i've never seen this actually happen i'll tell you about it next Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon.
3: You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. I don't want a lot oh. for Christmas.
0: Now, now we're talking.
3: There's just one thing I
1: need. I don't care about the present underneath the Christmas tree. Get my hat
0: on for the final segment here. Got the Queen of Christmas oh, here. Lord,
3: Mom, you could ever
0: know. Make my oh, Mariah. So good. Merry Christmas to you, ESPN Des Moines. It's Wicked's World. I'm Mike Wicked. Uh, I only have a little bit of time here, and I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise, I will not give you any spoilers whatsoever. I saw Spider Man No Way Home last night. I don't ever remember a movie with. Such buildup, such anticipation, leaks, theories, Easter eggs, trailer breakdowns, all of this stuff leading up because it it sets your expectations so high, so high. And in life, listen, kids, you're going to understand this, you're going to be let down a lot, all right? If you don't have high expectations, you know, you can't really be let down. But last night, I saw a movie that hit every... Expectation. It nothing. I mean, you watch. The, here's part of the trailer.
3: When you botched that spell, where you wanted everyone to forget the
1: Peter Parker Spider Man. There's
0: Doctor Strange. We started
3: getting some visitors.
0: Oh. There's Green Goblin in the trailer.
3: From every universe.
0: Big fight scene. And then. Hello, Peter. Doc Ock shows up. So it's like, oh my gosh, you see this in the trailer, and you start wondering, okay, so, and that, of course, was a character from uh, the second Spider-Man that featured Tobey Maguire, and then the Green Goblin is in there, and that was from the first one with Tobey Maguire, and then there's the, and I'm not going to ruin anything, I will promise, no spoilers, you don't have to turn your radio down, anything like that. Because the trailers didn't show you what you wanted. I mean, you got to see a little bit of Sandman. You got to see a little bit of Electro. You know Jamie Foxx is in the movie. But everybody's like, where is Tobey Maguire? Where is Andrew Garfield? Where are they in the trailers? And you can believe that they're in or that they're not. I'm not going to tell you anything, whether or not they were in or out. I will say I was pleasantly surprised with the movie. I think everything absolutely lived up to the expectation that I had for it. And do you ever go to a movie, Kira? Often you go to movies where people clap in the middle of the film, not the, at the end.
1: The last time was actually a Marvel movie. It was, I think, The guess. Avengers. Okay,
0: because when yeah. the last time I saw it happen was when Black Panther showed up. Yes. You know, at the end of Endgame, right yep. before the big fight. That was the last time I saw it. It happens twice. It happened twice in the movie last night. People didn't clap <laughs> at the end. People clapped in the middle of the film when these two monumental events happen. And I'm going to tell you this. The two end credit scenes are awesome. Are awesome. The fact
2: that there's two.
0: There's two. There's the mid credit (laughs) and the end credit scene. They're amazing. And I think the only movie, the only Marvel movie to have a higher Rotten Tomatoes score than Spider-Man No Way Home was Black Panther. It was at 100% last night. It's down to like 96. It was awesome. I 1,000% recommend the film. It will live up to your expectations, unless you're part of that 1%. All right. We're out. Uh, this is the last show of the year. We're done. Uh, I'm going Next week is Christmas Eve and then New Year's Eve, so I will talk to you in the new year. We have a million bowl games between now and then. We got Drake basketball. We got some college hoop coming up next month for you as well. So uh, Merry Christmas to you. Thank you to Kira for keeping us on the air. Thanks to Tyler Dunn for joining us, and thanks to you for listening. Have yourself a wonderful Christmas. And a happy new year. My name is Mike Wickett. Thank you for being part of this on ESPN Des Moines here in 2021. I will talk with you in 2022.